When you go to an Asheville City soccer club game, you're not just watching soccer, you're welcomed into what players and fans call the South Slope Blues. The South Slope Blues, they're amazing. This is the coach of the women's team, Brooke Bingham. The atmosphere is what makes Asheville City soccer so great. Longtime player Laura Greb. We have the most dedicated fans. We have our South Slope Blues. They post up in the corner of the field every game. They've got their drums, they've got their smoke, they've got their loud voices. You can hear them for miles. Elite men and women players from throughout North Carolina team up in Asheville for a two-month season against other aspiring pros from all over the Southeast. Home games this season begin May 18th at Greenwood Field on the UNC Asheville campus. For details, tickets, and your first steps into the South Slope Blues, visit Asheville City Soccer Club at AshevilleCitySC.com. The Buncombe County Tourism Development Authority just approved a budget of nearly $40 million for the next fiscal year. By state law, the TDA will steer about a third of that into a sort of discretionary bucket called the Tourism Product Development Fund. Many in the community have different ideas for how that money should be spent. The Tourism Product Development Fund, which has been in our community for two decades, for 20 years, is for major tourism-related capital projects. That's in the legislation. I'm Matt Pikin, and this is The Overlook, a daily podcast about the news, arts, issues, and trends of Asheville, North Carolina. My guest today is Vic Isley, president and CEO of the TDA. This is the second in a two-part conversation, so be sure to also catch yesterday's episode if you missed part one. Today, we dig into that tourism product development fund. Beyond that, I ask Isley why hoteliers have such an outsized presence on the committee that chooses which projects to fund. I also challenge what I see as her broad definition of our local creative community and propose what Isley says has never been proposed as a use for TDA funds. Hey, Overlook audience, did you know that every month I produce more than 400 minutes of exclusive local content relevant to life in Asheville? The Overlook is a one-man band, well, along with the fantastic, generous guests I invite onto the show, but my point is I'm delivering something Asheville has never had before. If you value The Overlook, if it makes you a more informed and engaged citizen, consider joining my Patreon campaign. You can be a sustaining member for as little as five dollars a month. Your support would mean the world to me. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash the Overlook Podcast. I began this half of my conversation with Vic Isley by asking her to break down the state mandate of how the occupancy taxes that come into the TDA need to be directed. So again, lodging tax is legislated at the state level here, but every county, I started in Durham County, every county's legislation is a bit different. And lodging tax was created for Buncombe County specifically 40 years ago this month. Right, 1983 is when the Buncombe County TDA was developed. That's right. And lodging tax 
is designed to help bolster the local economy. And it is funded through visitors who stay in lodging properties, which today is either hotels, vacation rentals, or bed and breakfast in Air, our community. Airbnbs. Right. Airbnbs, yes, vacation rentals. So it is a lodging tax that is paid by visitors. So when people say it's taxpayer money, it is visitors who come to our community that pay the tax that is then remitted through the lodging owner or property. And that is legislated or mandated at the state level here in North Carolina. That is a resource that we have for our community. Coming from the outside, having grown up in North Carolina, but worked for many other destinations and also being the chief operating officer for Destinations International, which is the professional development association for tourism offices all around the world. It may be surprising to your listeners that Asheville and Buncombe County is looked at as a model for how to invest lodging tax dollars. Because generally speaking, even here in our own state, if you say lodging tax is invested in community, it's generally code for a convention center, a major performing arts center, or a major sports facility. And here in Asheville and Buncombe County, the way it's been structured over the last 20 years, because the Tourism Product Development Fund has invested $60 million in 45 different projects throughout the community over that two decades. And that's from the Wilma Dykeman Greenway to the JBL Soccer Complex to Pack Square Park to the Wortham Center, the Asheville Art Museum. Did McCormick Field, the approval for that, come from that? also from the Tourism Development Product Fund? So in our June board meeting, we presented a recommendation from the Tourism Product Development Fund Committee to the board to fund and invest in McCormick Field. So that was presented in June, and then the Tourism Development Authority Board will vote on that in the July meeting. You mentioned that every county has its own regulation or legislation around that. I didn't know that each county, I thought it was this, that, the, that Raleigh decided this is what you can and cannot do every county in North Carolina, but you said there's some flexibility there. Not flexibility, but each yeah. county has its own. This is a both and answer. Okay. And it's hashtag complicated. So there are many different versions of lodging tax legislation and there are state guidelines for usage of lodging tax that have been in place since 1997, I believe. And that is what is uniform in terms of when lodging tax is going through the sausage making in Raleigh of what is within the guidelines, what is outside of the guidelines, and when it gets opposed and when when it's let through. Looking across the state, lodging tax is designed for a specific use and purpose. It is on a single type of business, and it then therefore it is invested in that way. So one of the things that's important on lodging tax is that it is what is used and leveraged to invest in marketing and promotion for our entire community and also in capital projects. And 69% of what visitors spend in our community is outside of lodging businesses. So while lodging shoulders 100% of the marketing investment, 69% or the lion's share of spending of visitors is throughout restaurants and art galleries and music venues and outdoor outfitters and retailers. And that's why it makes so 
much difference to our entire community about that additional money or investment or spending that comes into our local businesses that wouldn't happen otherwise. Of course, visitors are spending their money in lots of other places. They're not just staying in the hotel, eating at the hotel restaurant, going back to their room. You know, that goes without saying. The Tourism Development Product Fund seems, from the outside looking in, as where you have some room for interpretation. You, meaning the TDA, have room for interpretation about Where can this money go that is tourism-related, tourism-promoting? So the Tourism Product Development Fund, which has been in our community for two decades, for 20 years, is for major tourism-related capital projects. That's in the legislation, major tourism-related capital projects. And through that, again, in the last 20 years, if you're like me and have spent time on the Wilma Dykeman Greenway... $7 million of lodging tax helped make that possible in partnership with city, North Carolina Department of Transportation, and federal Department of Transportation dollars. And that's what I call at least a three-legged stool and maybe more is the power of partnership in investing these kinds of dollars on behalf of our community. If your listeners spend Saturday mornings at the JBL soccer fields, many of those families don't realize that lodging tax dollars or visitors helped pay for those fields. So those are are examples of, again, people are living their lives. They're busy. It's complicated. And so trying to share the stories of how the visitor dollars that are left in our community, the lodging tax dollars that they generate, help improve the quality of life and the amenities that we get to enjoy as residents every day. When you talked about some of these projects, I can't help but think the renovations or the badly needed renovations of Thomas Wolfe Auditorium come to mind. Is this something that would fall under the capital improvement projects, major capital improvement projects that the TDA could conceivably shoulder a good portion of the costs? It absolutely would and has so over the life of the Tourism Product Development Fund, I believe between 6 and $7 million have gone into renovations of the facility over the years. And what do you mean that the paint floating down from the ceiling in an Asheville Symphony Orchestra performance wasn't part of the decor? Obviously, it's come to such a point where with the HVAC issues that they can't even perform there. There's no way they can even be in there. No matter what they, that renovation ends up being, whether they, it's a tear down and build up or just remaking what's there, it's going to cost exponentially more than the renovations of McCormick Field. The TDA, for all the occupancy taxes that come in, certainly can't be expected to pay $100 million or more. I can't imagine. So what could the community realistically expect from the TDA, which I am tell me if I'm wrong on this, that this kind of scale of renovation that is necessary at Thomas Wolfe would be the largest single expense of a city project that the TDA would, to some degree, be supporting. Yeah, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit on this one. So one, one thing that's important to understand about the Tourism Product Development Fund and then the legacy investment tourism from Tourism Fund that will open in the fall is that these are grant programs. So either government partners or nonprofit partners can come and apply for 
projects that are major tourism capital projects. And once it gets into that application process, it becomes a competitive process because there are finite dollars available. So for example, we have the Tourism Product Development Fund grant cycle open currently, and we have $8 million to award for projects that will be decided upon by the Tourism Development Authority Board in October. So with that, there are guidelines that we do up to 50% matching funds. So to date, the largest investment in a project is with Buncombe County and the town of Woodfin, which is the Woodfin Blueway Greenway, that will have the, the wave in the French Broad and will also have greenways and a park. And that's $8.14 million that the Tourism Development Authority has invested in that collaborative project. When we talk about the wave, is that the pollution clearing element of the It's French the Broad? whitewater wave, which will be, there will be a lot of junk pulled out of the French Broad River before they install the whitewater wave. But that will be a recreational opportunity for kayakers, for events and competition, as well as for enjoyment. So again, that's another power of partnership example of with the blue with the Woodfin Blueway Greenway is Tourism Development Authority investment, Buncombe County investment, Town of Woodfin, and North Carolina Department of Transportation. So next up would be the McCormick Field and renovating it to be a year-round facility as well as being able to retain the Asheville tourists. And that would be in the nature of around $22 million if the Tourism Development Authority Board greenlights that in our July meeting. You mentioned the competitive process of this, and I'm drawn to who is making the decisions on these grants and other expenditures from the TDA. I noticed there are a couple of different committees, depending on the fund, and there's the board, the 11-member board. And a majority of them, correct me if I'm wrong on this, that seven of the 11 represent the hotel slash Airbnb slash vacation rental industry. Am I right on that? Not exactly. So to answer the first question, there is a tourism product development fund committee per the legislation, and those need to be a majority of hotel or lodging owner operators. And then there will be a legacy investment from Tourism Fund Committee. So the Tourism Product Development Fund Committee, per the legislation, reviews the applications, and it's in a two-step process. And then that committee makes a recommendation to the Tourism Development Authority Board on which projects they, they recommend funding, and then the board ultimately makes that decision. This might be a naive question, probably is. 100% of all this money that comes through is through hotel and vacation rental occupancy taxes. But why do people representing those industries have to be a majority on these boards and commissions? I would think in some ways we're not getting as diverse a perspective, community perspective on some of these projects by having it be a majority coming from those sectors. Why is that? Is that mandated by the state? Or is that something that you and your colleagues at the TDA can do something about? What autonomy do you have to decide the makeup of these boards and commissions? The board seats are mandated in the legislation, outlined in the legislation. That literally a majority of board seats have to be represented by the vacation rental industry? 
The legislation outlines the seats for the nine voting members and then the two ex officio. And it is lodging owners or operators that are under 100 rooms. There are seats for lodging operators or owners that are over 100 rooms. There are There's a vacation rental seat that it was specifically put on. There is a owner of a restaurant, brewery, distillery open to tours or an art executive director of an arts organization. The chamber appoints one of the members. So it is outlined specifically in the legislation. And in my 28 years of doing this work, that is pretty standard in terms of lodging tax that is levied on one specific business category. That business category has a say in how it's invested. Because on the surface of it, it's not the hotel year that's paying that tax. It's the visitor that's paying that tax. It's not coming out of the hotel year or the Airbnb person's pocket, not coming out of their profits. Am I wrong on that? They are responsible for collecting it and remitting it. And that has been an industry standard. The f- Here's a little nugget for you. The yeah. very first convention and visitors bureau was started in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for throwing that in. I didn't know that. But do you understand my point here? That yes, they're collecting it. And I imagine there could be a collection fee for doing so that I don't know. But I don't see how that buys an expertise and an insight into how these monies are best spent, even following the legislation's edicts, that it's a competitive process and that perhaps, and again, you don't have, I know you don't personally have a say in this. I'm just wondering your vantage point on this. Do you understand why does it have to be just because they're collecting the occupancy taxes, they're not paying for a seat on these committees. I mentioned before the first convention and visitors bureau started in Detroit, Michigan, because there were people that wanted to bring conferences and events to a place that created cars. So it's about that personal journey. And it's been industry practice. That is how lodging tax is collected. And that is how it is invested. And it is different community to community, state to state. However, makeups of boards is pretty standard in the industry. This might also be a naive question, please. And tell me if this is naive. I don't take offense if it is. Obviously, service workers and artists have been saying for, since I've been in town, it's becoming increasingly difficult to live and work in this community. Is there any room within the occupancy taxes to have a fund somehow to supplement the pay of service workers who are serving tourism here. It is, they are working directly interfacing with tourists. I'm just curious. This is something that, again, the community looks at the TDA as having this pot of money that comes in that is un- unprecedented or unequaled elsewhere in this community. And they see that as, well, why can't we do something with this? And I hear from service workers and artists, we are the reasons people come to this community from artists say this. We are the reasons people come here. And service workers say we're the ones who make it a great experience for them. Is there any room in, within the Tourism Development Product Fund or some other fund to create some sort of supplemental pay for service workers? 
In my nearly 30 years in, in this business, I don't know of a program that exists like that anywhere in the world. And our job in how the lodging tax is designed, again, that is paid by visitors and collected by our lodging property owners, is demand generation. So our job is to inspire visitors to choose Asheville and Buncombe County so that they come through the doors of these businesses to buy products and goods and experiences to leave their money here that helps pay for the livelihoods of people here. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you think is germane for people to understand and get context about either your work with the TDA or the role of the TDA in this community and what your priorities are going forward in the year ahead? I know you just passed a new budget for the coming year. What should people know that we haven't talked about? I would really encourage folks to think about what is their mindset and heart set when they travel and what their travel decisions are, where they go, why they go there, what they do when they're there, and then think about that in the reverse in our own community. I think that there, there's lots of issues for us to solve, and one of the things that I love about this community is it's very passionate. I would really love to have more and conversations about how we create more opportunities for more people to win, to have sustainable growth in our community, and how do we do that together. And for the things that we want as a community is what are the levers that we have collectively to pull in the state of North Carolina to have the things that we want to have and services that we want to have because the lodging tax is not a panacea. It's not a cure-all. It's designed for a specific purpose, and we are working within the community and with these strategic imperatives to deliver what's right and what's good for this community. And the other thing is that our employees are residents of Asheville. The Tourism Development Authority board members are residents of Asheville and Buncombe County. They started their careers in service and hospitality. Yeah, and I noticed on the website, you mentioned your first service job. I know you were very clear to put that, to let people know that people on that board started in service, in the service industry. We all started from somewhere, and we're all on a journey. And I think that's one of the reasons that I love travel is it's a journey. Our new First Look newsletter gives you just a handful of daily headlines from around the local media landscape to get you on your morning. We also have a weekly newsletter devoted to all things The Overlook that hits you every Friday. Both are free and available at podavl.com slash newsletter. And please support the show by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theoverlookpodcast. I want to thank my guest today, Vic Isley, CEO and President of the Tourism Development Authority of Buncombe County. This was the second half of our conversation. If you missed part one, just click back a notch in your podcasting app to listen to that. Today's conversation happened inside the BB Theater in downtown Asheville, which owners Susan and Giles Collard have been so gracious enough to open to me to record my interviews. Our theme music for The Overlook, Maker's Song, comes courtesy of the Asheville band The Resonant Rogues. The Overlook is a production of Podcast Asheville. New episodes are available every Monday through Thursday morning. I'm Matt Pikin, and I'll see you on the next episode of The Overlook.